0: Jesus unmasks the play actress, part two. And Jesus challenges the Sabbath values. Now we're, we're at dinner again. Uh, look there in chapter 14. This is surprising because not too long ago, Jesus had dinner with a Pharisee. Uh, you know, the top strata, the elite of their their society, and everybody got indigestion as Jesus unmasked them. Not as genuine uh, genuine people who were following God; they were just a bunch of play actors pretending. They were uh, religious play actors, and they were unmasked. And finally, if uh, this is part of the backstory here. Uh, Turning back to chapter 12, uh, after end of uh, chapter 11, uh, they were so angry as, uh, verse 53, as Jesus went away from there, he left dinner. I don't know if anybody touched the food. They were so upset. The scribes and Pharisees began to press him hard, press him hard. They were very aggressive. They tried to provoke him to speak many things, lying in wait for him to catch him. To catch him in something he might say. And Jesus was never shy about words, right? He just told it as it is. So more time elapsed, more interaction with the people, a few incidents particularly involving Sabbath. Uh, the first run-in with the Pharisees was in chapter 6, when Jesus healed somebody on the sab- Sabbath. And then in chapter 13, he did it again. If you've got your Bible, turn to chapter 13, uh, verse 10. Jesus is teaching in the synagogue, in their culture, if somebody visits an outside He's given the privilege to come up here and address the whole synagogue. And this is culturally appropriate. He's teaching on Sabbath day. And behold, there was a woman disabled for 18 years. And Jesus laid hands on her. Verse 13 immediately she was made straight. She was all bent over and crippled for for 18 years, and now she's stood up, she has great posture, and she praises God. And you would think that everybody would just be ooing and ahhing and, and praising God, but there were some who were very angry. In fact, the ruler of the synagogue was indignant because Jesus healed on the Sabbath. Look, there's six days you can do it. Why are you... Defiling Sabbath day and working. You're not supposed to do that. Oh, this is very important. Look in verse 15. The Lord called them out. You hypocrites. You play actor. You phonies. You know, on the Sabbath, don't you untie your ox or donkey and lead them to water? This woman was bound for 18 years. And now she is loosed from this bond on Sabbath day. And as he said these things, all his enemies, his adversaries, the Pharisees, the scribes, they were put to shame. Now if you were the uh, elite of the people and you got embarrassed, what would your reaction be? Oh, they were seething with anger. They they just could. Well, they were beside themselves. And all the people, though, they rejoiced at all the glorious things that were done by him. So that's the backstory. There's dinner number one in chapter eleven. There's a few healings on Sabbath day. And now we're going to go into uh, chapter 14, in our first section here, you see in our outline, Jesus challenges Sabbath back, uh, values. Uh, last week, we uh, learned a, a little Greek, right? Hupokrites, uh, the hypocrite, which means the play actor, right? Looks great. On the outside, you're, you're uh, you know, you're uh, Jack Sparrow, you know, the pirate, But actually, you're a play actor. You're actually Johnny Depp in reality. So the play actor. Uh, This week, I'm going to teach you a little Hebrew. uh, uh, Shabbat, Sabbath, which means rest. Sabbath, the Sabbath day. Remember the creation story in Genesis. God created uh, the whole universe in six days. But on the seventh day, he was done. And he took rest. Now fast forward to the Exodus story. And God said to the Israelites. To memorialize this day. Remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. Keep it separate. God wanted the people to remember the Sabbath day. And don't do any work on that day. And for 40 years in the wilderness, he had to train these people. Because these people had a, a really strange work ethic. They're kind of like Americans. You know, work every day from dawn till dusk. Put in 80 hours a week. Work on the weekend. we got to get ahead. There's a recession coming. we got to get savings in order. we got to work. But God says no. You're not machines. You know, Jesus said later, the, uh, man was not made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. And God knew that man is going to break down unless he rests. Remember the Israelites. They, they were trained because every day they had to gather manna from the ground. That was work. Every day except for the Sabbath day. Some people tried to do it on the Sabbath, and remember the story, it got full of maggots and got, ugh, it was just disgusting. So he said, you know what, gather twice as much on Friday, and Saturday you'll have plenty. And they had a day, just rest from their labors, to have fellowship with the people of God and fellowship with God himself. God bless you for taking a break. I'm sure you had a bunch of chores at home. There's something on TV to watch. But you came here. Thanks for coming. And now, fast forward to the book of Hebrews, where the author of Hebrews says, For all of us, we're still laboring. That's part of the curse, right? Work by the swell of your brow. But he sees, For the people of God... There remains a Sabbath rest. You see, God institutes the Sabbath as kind of a type of a greater Sabbath that is ultimate. When we reach the promised land, which is heaven, and all our labors, all our struggles with sin are finally over, and we can rest in peace and love and sweet fellowship and having a banquet a gospel feast in heaven i hope they have nathan's uh, cuisine there because uh, that will really motivate me well let's go to uh... oh, let me give you some bad backstory with sabbath remember sabbath is part of torah the law of moses just to no work but over the centuries the rabbis kept adding rules Remember the Halakha? Uh, First we have the Torah, which is a thin volume, but the Halakha, it just added on and on, little details of what you can do and not do. There was a certain number of steps you can take on Sabbath. There were certain uh, little tiny chores you can do and you can't do. You can't do any cooking on the Sabbath. you got to prepare your meals on Friday. So you can just eat it on Saturday, the Sabbath. And the Jews were very, very strict on Sabbath. You know, there are all these other sins. Lying, cheating, stealing, bearing false witness. But it seems like it was ignored. And this one, this one command was the big focus and I think this is real. I, this is my speculation. It's because breaking the Sabbath is very obvious. You know, on Sabbath day, you see your neighbor mowing the lawn, up, oh, violation. You see uh, one of your neighbors uh, uh, baking, up, oh, violation. You see, the Pharisees can control the population through this one law, and they knew who to write down on the naughty list. Ah, there's Harry over there mowing the lawn. There's, there's uh, Mildred over there cooking. They're on the naughty list. And so if you want to be on the nice list, you have to follow all these rules. And so that's why they were so furious at Jesus. Because right under their nose, Jesus flouted the Sabbath laws. What did he say? Well... I am the Lord of the Sabbath. I make these rules. Oh, they were furious. They were furious. So with that backstory, let's go to their passage. This was sometime after the first meal with the Pharisees, but I'm sure news of how those Pharisees were humiliated came to this now leader, So a Pharisee was one of the elite. Now the leader of the Pharisee was the elite of the elite. And now he assembled another meal on Sabbath day. Why? Well, we see from the last meal, they weren't weren't truly trying to be hospitable, kind, and friendly to Jesus. They were play-acting that. What they wanted to do was to catch Jesus in a misstatement, in an unguarded moment, so they would have ammunition to put him down. Let's see what happens. Verse 1, one Sabbath, Jesus went to dine at the house of a ruler, a ruler now, a le- even higher level, and they were watching him carefully. Now, some people watch Jesus carefully because they love him. They want to hear every word of truth. They want to follow his example. But some were watching Jesus carefully for the opposite reason. They wanted to put Jesus down. They wanted to find reason to condemn him and even to destroy him. I don't know how this guy got in. A man came with dropsy. I don't know what your translation has. Uh, it's edema. Edema is when uh, that's a malfunction. When your body parts just swell up with with fluids, and you know your your legs and arms just become so thick. That's just a symptom. It could be very, very dangerous. Could be a congestive heart failure. It could be a cirrhosis of the liver. Some other thing. Now we know these things because we have modern medicine. Back in the ancient times, this was very frightening condition to the ancients. And when this guy comes in, uh, okay, already their their digestion, they're <laughs> they're losing their their appetite. Or maybe he was a plant. I don't know. Maybe they brought him in to provoke Jesus to action and Jesus did not disappoint. But first, before Jesus healed the man, and he had total power, I mean, he healed thousands of people. He said to the lawyers, remember the lawyers from last week? And the Pharisees? You see these were a select bunch of of mealtime guests. These weren't not ordinary people. The leader of the pharisees brought the top brains in the elite because they could dissect every word that Jesus said. Every every action and they are busy writing these things down, taking note in order to destroy him. But Jesus uh, turned to the lawyers and Pharisees and he said is it lawful considering the Torah considering the Hakkah, is it lawful to heal on Shabbat is it or is it not now normally a lawyer is never at the, a loss of words right <laughs> that's what he gets paid for Billable hours, billable words, right? Every word, he gets about $10. (laughs) That's what lawyers are for. And these lawyers, they couldn't say anything. They remained silent. Actually, they were actually pretty smart because it doesn't matter what they say. They're just going to look very stupid, right? So they might as well not say anything. They remained silent Jesus took, healed him, and sent him away. Now, this was a very serious, incurable disease, usually leading into death. The guy before their eyes is miraculously healed. And yet, everyone in that crowd, their hearts were so hard. They could not see the power of God. All they could see was violation. All they can see was a threat to their power. And that's all they cared about. And you think, how can that be? But you know, it's very common. It's, it's very common. It's very common out there. To us, it seems very obvious why the good news of Jesus is good news but why is it why doesn't it get traction out there it's because people are threatened somehow by the truth of God they push back they ignore they turn away or they react with hostility and aggression recall that I'm a a chaplain at Folsom Prison. There are a handful of men who are saved by grace and their lives are transformed. There are 2,000 men at Folsom Prison. Most of them are just the most evil uh, men you can imagine. You know, if I turned my back, they would easily kill me or would want to. Why is it? Why is it? Well, The hard-heartedness of man would cause this. And we see this with these play actors here. A miracle, a power of God right before them. And it's like it never happened. All they can think of is themselves. And Jesus kind of rubbed it in. Okay, you have sons, right? It's Father's Day, you have sons. Or you have an ox, okay? You have an ox. And what if they fell into the well? Wells are common back then. And that might be a common accident, right? You just, you know, you're texting on your cell phone. Whoops! And he falls, falls into the well. They didn't have text, cell phones back then, sorry. Um, and if it happened on Sabbath day, I mean, duh, wouldn't you just pull him out? Nobody's going to complain about that. And again, they were smart. They could not reply. <laughs> they knew that Jesus got them. He had uh, Jesus trapped them. They were trying to trap Jesus, but instead it was vit- he turned the tables. All right. So misplaced values put procedures over people, procedures over people. The application question: What would cha- you change? What would change if your only rule was love God and love people as yourself? In other contexts, um, this came out. This is the essence of. Torah, Halakha, all of it can be boiled down into one sentence. Love God and love others. And when that is the only rule, everything becomes easy and the priorities are right. It's not a bunch of rules that are priority. It's people. It's God in priority. What are the priorities in your life? next section uh, Jesus challenges prideful values this is in uh, verses 7 through 14 and he did this some people were coming in late don't worry if you came in late it happens in every culture and as they came in they were fighting for certain seats right The best seats, probably the seats next to the host, who was the leader of the Pharisee. And Jesus called them on this because this was another part of their play acting. They wanted to pretend to be so important that they can sit in the the best seat in the house. They chose the places of honor. And he told them when you are invited by someone to a wedding feast do not sit down on the place of honor lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him and he who invited you both will come to say give your place to this person and then you'll 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 begin with shame and you'll take you'll go back to the cheap seats i don't know uh, uh, if my children got me the best seats. Maybe I'll be sitting in the cheap seats tonight at the theater. Who knows? But rather do this. When you're invited anywhere, go to the lowest place so when your host comes, you may say, Friend, move up higher. And then you'll be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself Will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted everyone uh, how do you how do prideful values express themselves in your life? What will you do in confession and repentance uh, Of the ten commandments, the first one is you shall have no other gods before me, and this would be God himself. If God is God, then by definition, He is always at the highest place. He goes later in the uh, uh, Ten Commandments, no graven images, idols, right? To put an idol, to worship an idol, to put the idol higher than God, that is idolatry. And the worst kind of idolatry is self-idolatry. You know that, that image you see in the mirror in the morning? And if you value that image, that's yourself, higher than God, that is pride and self-idolatry. And it's against the truth because the truth is as Romans says, as Paul says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the uh, wages of sin is death. The truth is, we have fallen far below God's righteousness. And we all deserve that penalty, which is eternal separation from God. And to acknowledge that, puts us in a very humble place, and when we are in a humble place, we are in exactly a place where God can lift us up again. But for those who start up high, they're going to be surprised, ultimately what their fate will be. Don't go there. And likewise, uh, Jesus turns to the host, the man who invited him, okay? (laughs) You figure, you've got to be nice to the host. Well, Jesus never meant words, and he called him as he saw him. He saw the host as a play actor, and he said to the man who invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, don't invite your friends or your brothers your relatives or your rich neighbors lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid you see the play acting was just just, uh, just galled Jesus the, the hypo- hypocrisy of it all to pretend that they're being nice and generous hey come on over I'm going to invite all of you to Nathan's tonight come on over Come on! I'll I'll I'll, I'll take the I'll, I'm going to pay your way. But I'm doing that knowing that oh well they they're going to have to reciprocate and be nice to me. You see, it's not grace. It's not generosity. It's merely a commercial transaction. You know, I scratch your back and you scratch my back. And that's what these play actors were doing when they're nice to each other. They're getting nice because, oh, I want them to, to return the favor. Remember that phrase, returning the favor? So Jesus gave them an alternate. When you invite, uh, uh, give a feast, invite poor people. Invite crippled people. Invite lame people and blind people. And you will be blessed. Why? Because it's all one way. They can't repay you. You're giving one way, and God will bless you. And by doing that, you reflect the heart of God, who is a God of grace, a God who loves to give. What can we give to God? We can't give anything to God. We come to God with empty hands. But that is the way of God, and God's people will reflect God's characteristic. And you will be blessed. They cannot repay you. And you will be repaid. You will be repaid. Not by your buddies, your rich buddies, the lawyers and Pharisees. You will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. You know, back then, they had the theology that, yes, if you were righteous, you had eternal life. And although your body dies... You will be resurrected if you are just and righteous. And from that phrase, we segue into the next segment here, and this is called "Jesus exposes the Reli- uh, religious play acting uh, verses fifteen through twenty four. Hearing that wo- uh, phrase, "Resurrection of just," one of the play actors. Remark this, blessed is everyone who will eat bread at the kingdom of heaven. Is that true or false? Actually, that's true. It is true. Wouldn't you like to be in the kingdom of God, feasting on the bread? Blessed is that person who achieves that. But Jesus knew this man's heart. And actually, he kind of puts a fly into the ointment here. What does he say? He gives a, uh, another parable. A man, verse 16, gave a great banquet. Now think of a great banquet. Uh, Rachel, did you ha- attend a, a great banquet in Southern California, wedding banquet? Yes. Wasn't it good? Chinese style? No, something else. All right. So think of a great banquet, and he invited many. Now, this is a parable, and we have to consider what each element of the parable represents. And obviously here, this man represents God. He invites many. These are the people on the A-list, the people who thought they should be invited. The Pharisees, the scribes, the lawyers thought they should be invited, right? And at the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who've been invited, Come! Everything's ready. Come and get it. So far, so good. Everything's normal. But now, something very shocking happens with the A-list people. They all made excuses. I bought a field. i got to see it. i beat excuse. I have five oxen, oh, yoke of oxen. i got to go take a look at them. Uh, excuse rsvp no sorry i can't come i married i i can't come she doesn't want me to come okay <laughs> get excused okay and you think well all right that should be some disappointment there okay all right we'll just get somebody else on the list but when the servant came back to the master the master became angry Now that's another something surprising. No disappointment we can expect. But angry? He became angry. You see, here is idolatry in play. Remember the master is God. And by definition, if God is God, he must be above all things. He must be top priority over the oxen, over the uh, what other things were, were there the field, even the wife. If God is God, he must take priority and the invitation cannot be ignored. So the anger is justified. For these folks who have play-acted like they should be on the A-list, they show that they were truly play acting there were phonies and inside they were really idolaters who who valued the field who valued the five oxen who valued the wife higher than God and did not want to go another strange thing in this parable he said go quickly to the streets, to the lanes of the city, bring in the poor in, the crippled, the blind, the lame, the riffraff, the no good, the homeless people, the dirty people, they smell bad. Go out there, go out to Sacramento, you know, under the bridges, and bring them in to this wonderful, this banquet. Why? 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 It's just, it just against our sensibilities, but you know, uh, Jesus, this is actually reflecting God's heart. First Corinthians 1, Paul a writing, "Consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth, but God chose what was foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised, even things that are not, to bring things that are, that no human being Might boast in the presence of God. You know, among the elite of this world, I'm sure there are few who are truly believers, but the massive numbers would come from humble folks like me, like you, like the guys in the street, like some young men at Juvenile Hall or Folsom Prison. See, they're down, they're humble. They have no pretense that they're great or worthy. But God chose these people. The poor people. The humble people. Because their hearts are receptive to the gift of God. And the grace of God. And so this parable is very, very illustrative of God's own heart. That the elite, the rich, the wealthy, the prideful, they are going to be excluded. But the kingdom of God will be filled with those from the ranks of the humble upon the earth. The servant said, Sir, what you have commanded has been done, still there's room. Did you know that heaven is a big place? <laughs> so, oh, no, there's a capacity. We're going to call a fire marshal. There's too crowded. No, 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 it's not like that. Heaven is big and God is welcoming. And some come in and God is not satisfied. I want the whole place filled. The master said to the servant, go to the highways the hedges, and compel people. You know, be forceful, drag them in, that my house may be filled. You know, Hannah's card here, uh, that's her kind of her theme verse, uh, Luke 12, 14, 22 through 23. There is room. Go out. It may not be here. and It may not be in this neighborhood. You may have to go halfway around the world and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. And Jesus is sending people to invite them to a gospel feast. Go out to the highways and hedges. Compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited the a-list they shall not taste my banquet play actors are excluded from the kingdom of god what actions will you ensure that you are worshiping in spirit and truth Uh, i'll let you uh, read chapter four of john John, uh, that story is my favorite story in the whole bible but here Jesus, in a very succinct statement, says, Though a time is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship in spirit. See, they're not like uh, Jack Sparrow. You know, put on a costume, put on a mask, look like a pirate. No, 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 no. They will worship in spirit, what's inside. And now the prophecy of Jeremiah 31 31 will come true, the new covenant that is written in the heart. They will worship in spirit and in truth. They will not worship in Sabbath days or the temples, which are just shadows of the substance that is to come because the true substance is not the temple in Jerusalem. The substance is not a a celebration of the day. It is a Sabbath rest for God's people for all eternity in the kingdom of God that must be filled from all nations. All nations must come and there will be a great banquet and I hope to see you all there. Shall we pray? And now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead, of, brought again from the dead, our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with every, everything good that you may do his will. Working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you. You are dismissed and have a wonderful Father's Day.